0: Welcome to The Next Page, the podcast of the United Nations Library, Geneva, where we aim to advance the conversation on multilateralism. My name is Natalie Alexander, and for this episode, we delve into the origins of how gender equality was included in the UN Charter. I got to welcome Fatima Sator to this conversation. She currently serves as a communications specialist on gender and protection programs at the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, and also spent a little bit of time working here with us in the library on gender issues. But in her days of research at the University of London, together with a colleague, they came across the archives that told the story of the women of the global south who ensured gender equality and women's rights were inscribed in the charter. Since then, they've dedicated time to sharing this story. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out the resources and links we've curated for you in the podcast description. Meanwhile, let's take a listen. Enjoy. Fatima, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Hi Natalie. thank you for inviting me. It's great to have you back. Today in the studio, I'm holding a copy of the UN Charter, which is a pretty special document. And the story of how gender equality was included in the Charter has come out of a lot of your research. So could you tell us, how did you come to start this research and what did you find? So everything started, I think, around three
1: years ago when, so I was a student, a master's student with my colleague, Elise Dietrichson, and we were both master's students at the School of Oriental and African Studies. And we had to choose our research, you know, end of the year research. And we decided we went to the LSC Women's Library. And our, our supervisor back then told us that there was a memoir of this woman called Bertha Lutz, telling how she fought for gender equality to be included in the UN Charter. So when we found this memoir, it was completely, it was mind-blowing. I mean, the memoir was, she was telling this woman that we just never heard about, you know. I mean, I was passionate about gender equality even more in the UN and never heard her name. So our first thought was, how come did we miss This story, who is this woman? And what the memoir says is how we managed to get Article 8, that actually is the the article in the UN charter that says that men and women have equal rights and opportunities. And it is the the first article of that sort in an international document. So it's the first legal article that actually stipulates that men and women are equal. So we we found the memoir and then we went back. We also looked at the minutes of the San Francisco Conference in 1945 to go back in time and to understand how did we get this article and how did we get gender equality in international relations finally.
0: Wow. And so the San Francisco Conference 1945 brought together nations, 50 in total at the time, to create and, and sign the UN Charter. Tell us about this conference and what you found in your research about the stories of these women, including Berta Lutz, that fought for the inclusion of gender equality in the Charter. Who were they and, and what did they do?
1: Yeah, it's quite fascinating. So we are in spring f- 1945. We have around 3,500 participants and women had equal voting rights with the men in only 30 Of the countries presented at the United Nations Conference on International Organization, the San Francisco Conference. But almost all of those 3,500 participants with various functions were men. And yeah, of course, there were some female secretaries, but among the delegates, the number of women was tiny, was minuscule. But nevertheless, the Charter of the UN became the first international agreement to proclaim the equal rights of men and women as part of fundamental human rights. So who do we have to thank for this? So we had four women signing the Charter. However, only two of them, Berta Lutz from Brazil and Minerva Bernardino from the Dominican Republic, fought for Article 8 to be included in the UN Charter. The other ones uh, were Virginia Gildersley from the U.S. and then wu fi if I say it right, from China. They inscribed gender equality in the UN Charter and they were able to... Actually, let me just take the Charter, who's, which is here with us. So if we look at the preamble, so the one that starts with the people of the United Nations... We have a paragraph that says that we, the people of the United Nations, determine to reaffirm faith in fundamental human rights, in the dignity and worth of the human person, in the equal rights of men and women, and of nations large and small. If it wasn't Bertalut, this article was not supposed to mention women. So it was supposed to say the equal rights of men. However, history has shown that whenever... You do not mention women. Women just lose their rights. So this, is, this has changed everyone's life, my life. I mean, I have no idea what where we would be today if it wasn't thanks to this and where gender equality would have been if we didn't have Article 8 in this charter. And they were also able to get, and that was a very hard-fought battle, because they were able to get the word sex in the list of non-discrimination. So, you know, you have uh, background, religion, origins, etc. And you also have the word sex.
0: And this is in Article 1 of the Exactly. Charter. Yes, exactly. So for listeners, we'll also provide, if you're interested, a link to the UN Charter. So you can find these places where women are included and gender equality is included in the Charter. That's really fascinating to learn. Could you explain a little more about what these women and any supporters at the conference faced and and met in including gender equality in the charter are there any particular stories to share Uh,
1: yeah so i think that was the very surprising thing for us it was not only a woman from brazil was the one who who fought for gender equality in the Charter, but she faced huge opposition and this opposition came from countries that we wouldn't think would have been opposed to that back in time, which were mainly the US and the UK. So, for example, there is this very interesting anecdote where Berta Luz, so the Brazilian delegate, is invited for tea uh, with Virginia Gildersleeve, the American delegate, and they were supposed to talk about the charter. So Virginia tells Berta that she hoped she wouldn't mention anything to do about women, because that would be a very vulgar thing to do. Virginia Glushcev had very had clear opposition on the wording on women on, and and Bertha Lutz were and also Bernerva Bernardino was. They were called uh, extremist feminists. They were called. They were seen as as something that was almost bothering in the in the organization. So we tried to understand why. What were the differences? And actually, the differences were just in the way. Both of them were sp- were perceiving f- feminism, and for example, the UK, it wasn't a women delegate, but they were advisors. So the British advisor was considering that that gender inequality was existing only in c- in backward countries, and then she said she said to Bertha Lutz, for example, that her being in the in the San Francisco conference, so that the British advisor being present in San Francisco was actually a proof that women made it and to which Bertha replied that it only proved that she had made it but not all women and this is something that we can still see today you know I mean if you have certain women at high positions it still doesn't mean that we have gender equality they made it does it mean that it's easy for everyone to make it to make it where they are I'm not sure so yeah so the differences were really in the way each delegate and each woman had very very different views on feminism and when you look at history what history has done maybe a little bit wrong and so before starting this whole advocacy uh, process we were looking at at some UN documents and it was it was saying that four women signed the charter and all of them fought for gender equality by doing that you put someone's gender in one basket you know just because we're in the same we have the same gender doesn't mean that we have the same point of view and they were great men feminists at the San Francisco conference who really helped to get this so yeah so we had to correct to to really get our history right today this is this has been fixed it's really important to differentiate each other opinion within the same gender Mm.
0: and what do you think we can learn from today about this about these stories of differences even among women at the at the conference and and also men on what feminism meant I think I mean
1: what we've learned throughout this this research at least was that the most important thing is is to have i think feminists at decision making positions, and it is important and then regardless of their gender, obviously, I really think that if you don't have if you don't have at least fifty percent of women, you're just missing fifty percent of the intelligence so for example, in peacekeeping negotiation or in negotiation in general, you can't. And this is Berta Lutz was saying in 1945. So that was 70 years ago. You know that you can't have. There will never be an unbreakable peace in the world until women help to shape it to make sure that we have a complete response. I mean, I'm saying also. I'm also saying this in humanitarian response. You do have a very a much better response when everyone is included in the response. When you do have feminists at the table, for example, Berta Lutz. When you look at the legacy, this is life changing. I can't think of a word where. If she wasn't at the San Francisco conference, I'm not sure I would like to imagine a word without gender equality in the UN Charter. Where where would have we been today? You know, it's you can say the same for for the Declaration of Human Rights, where a couple of years after, where we were able to have the Declaration of Human Rights and gender equality also thanks to what was already inscribed in the Charter. So so I think I mean what we can take from it today is really like I mean the importance of having feminists really influencing the conversation. And again, having women at the table, not because they're women, just because they just bring another perspective.
0: And so we've, we've touched a little bit on the preamble of the Charter and the inclusion of, of both men and women there. And in Article 1, the inclusion of sex. But you also mentioned Article 8 and the importance of Bertelutz's work in including Article 8. Can you share a little more there?
1: Yeah. So as I was saying, I mean, she was specifically sent by the Brazilian government to get this article. So that was her only role. She wasn't she's not a diplomat at first. She's a scientist. You know, she was she was studying actually frogs. And which is really interesting (laughs) because she says when you read her memoir, she says that she's happy to go to San Francisco as long as she can study frogs in the in the West Coast. So that's that was her. Like she was passionate about frogs. But she was also a huge (laughs) feminist and she wouldn't let go. She wouldn't leave that conference until she got Article 8 in the charter. Well, of course, she had help, you know, I mean, she would like the help came from South Africa, uh, Uruguay, uh, Mexico, but it was very much Latin American countries that helped her NGO. She had a huge support from NGOs. And yeah, she was very, very influential. And I think as a diplomat today, she's very inspiring. But what this article says is that men and women should be treated as equal within the organization. But this helped to build on actually gender equality outside the organization. If, if it is applied within the organization, obviously it will have impact on resolutions and other decisions. And if you, have, if you have men and women, and of course other gender, because I'm not looking at it as a binary, you are able to then have sustainable and long lasting impact on on other issues. So it would have been very difficult for the UN to argue for gender equality outside the organization if we wouldn't have an article that actually makes it mandatory inside the
0: UN. So I wanted to move also to the stories of, of these women from the South. So your work has particularly shown that women from the South and their actions shaped the Charter and hence history and where we are now. What are your thoughts here? How does this knowledge, the fact that women from the Global South were were there on the ground at the conference fighting for this equality in the Charter, how does this knowledge impact you?
1: Well, I will tell you like how it impacts me personally, but also how it impacts, I think, a whole generation of women and girls. So for me... So I'm Algerian, I am born in Algeria, and um, I've always been told, whenever I was telling myself, when I was telling people, when I was telling my family, listen, I'm a feminist, I strongly believe that, yeah, men and women should have equal rights, I was quickly told that that wasn't our issue that we had other issue to deal with so i was told that even that was a western western topic that was something coming from the north that i wasn't scandinavian and i shouldn't try to behave like it and that it's not uh, that's not a global south issue so i had the same conversation with some with my african friends with asian friends we we always thought that that this idea that feminism was coming from the north and then, and then when we discovered this, it completely changed my life. It changed the way I was perceiving global ideas. It changed the way I was perceiving feminism. And it also, it gave me, I could tell myself that, yes, I'm a feminist, because back in time, 70 years ago, the global South was fighting for it. The idea is not to do, you know, I don't want to do like a North and South dichotomy, but the idea is really like just to build ownership also for the global South and to remind them they have been really forerunners in Latin America, I've also been giving this like a lecture to to refugees teenagers who came to Geneva to live in Geneva and this also really shaped the way they were they see the world and it also it's also shaped the way they I would say that countries have ownership also in the UN because it is an organization that represents all countries and knowing that the global south has done such great influence in shaping the Charter, it shows that the whole world was included in the Charter, even though we have to remind that, of course, a lot of countries were not represented in 1945
0: because of colonization. And so this inclusion has obviously had great impact. It's impacting us now as we're sitting here. What about today? We've, We've got work to do yet still to make sure that we continue this work. There are of course many facets and challenges to do with gender equality and feminism. But what are some that particularly speak to you? What should we what do you see as important to, to face now? Well, I think one of the most important things is to never take
1: it for granted. And this is something that even Berta Lutz back in time in 1945, she points out that there is this very interesting paradox that countries that are the most advanced are maybe the ones that push the list for it today because they take it for granted. You know, I mean, there is. So I would say like just like to remind everyone and first ourselves that this is not granted at all. We have done amazing things. But when when I speak to some women who are maybe two generations before mine, they still tell me, are we still fighting for this? There is still a lot to be done. And obviously, I would say, I mean, at our level as individuals, just we do have to change our little word, and it doesn't have to be huge, and sometimes you can have a very small impact with it. your brothers, your kids your you know it's it's very small, but change starts at home, change starts within ourselves, and it doesn't have to be you don't know, have to be speaking at three thousand people, and everyone everyone has a huge impact.
0: And seeing how these women from the South made such a difference at the San Francisco Conference, um, even though they were limited in number, what about looking more broadly at the global South? How do you see this uh, in terms of, of their voices, actions and contribution to the multilateral system?
1: Actually, there was the, the first event happened last year. It was called The Legacy of the, of the Global South in Human Rights, and it happened in the Trusteeship Council in New York last year, in the UN in New York. It was organized by the Brazilian Mission. It was amazing because we had so many member states from countries that we can call from the Global South saying what they have, what were their contribution to the UN and to human rights, and taking back ownership on that. And it was great. I mean, we had India and Pakistan speaking on gender equality together. And they were giving ownership to the women that were really forerunners in the in gender equality, also in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and but that's, that's another topic, and I would like maybe for listeners, maybe we can, there is a list of, of readings that they can, uh, of books they could read, because history has repeated itself in the univers- Universal Declaration of Human Rights, when an Indian and a Pakistani women were pushing very hard for gender equality to be included in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. But that's, again, that has been
0: forgotten or is not known. So, And hopefully your, your research and your work will continue to to inspire others. Thank you very much for joining us today. As you mentioned, there's much more that we could learn and explore here. Do you have any particular readings or resources to share?
1: Yes. There is this great article written by Toril Skart, who's a a Norwegian academician. It's called Getting Our History Right. How were the equal rights of women and men included in the Charter of the United Nations? So this is online. And also I would strongly recommend Rebecca Zadami, who's a Norwegian scholar. She wrote a book recently called Women and the Universal Declaration of, U- of Human Rights, which actually goes back to what we were saying. You know, she, she, she goes back in time and, and research who were the women who got, who, who fought for gender equality in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And finally, and this is coming up, is a documentary produced by HBO coming up, I think, uh, first semester of 2020. So next year, looking at how at, at the women of the Charter.
0: Fantastic. So we're going to provide all the links in the podcast description for these. Any final words, Fatima? What do you hope people will learn from this episode?
1: Well I hope that people will be inspired and I hope that they will that this will change the way they see the world that this will change the way they perceive global ideas and that hopefully we are we we are building actually a network of researcher researching uh, their own history and women who have changed international relations from their country so because it is such an under research uh, area. So I really hope that people will go back in archives, will go back in history books, uh, will come to the library to look at their own history and hopefully advocate for the lost voices, the silent voices.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Fatima. Hope to see you soon at the library and thank you for joining us on The Next Page. Thank you so much, Natalie.